Father, we just ask your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us today. Teach us in this study, Lord. Help us understand clearly what this issue is all about, Lord. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit will move upon our hearts, draw each one of us here today closer to you. It's a very important subject, and we pray for your guidance. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Okay, so what we're going to look at today is part three. No commandment for Adam to keep the Sabbath. Remember, in Genesis, it says, and God rested the seventh day, right? That's what it says. So he says there's no commandment for Adam to keep the Sabbath rest in Genesis. By the way, have you ever heard somebody say there's no commandment to keep the Sabbath in the New Testament? Well, we're going to cover that really good tomorrow. Okay? Tomorrow. And uh, so... If you're going to miss a time, miss last week, because we're going to look at that tomorrow. So today we're going to look at no commandment for Adam to keep the Sabbath rest in Genesis. Now, do you remember when I started off the other day with the text where Jesus talked about your own words are either going to justify you or they're going to condemn you, right? That's a very important point, because we're going to see how Dale's books contradict each other and how he himself contradicts himself. We're going to see that, okay? Now, I believe, my premise is, I believe the Bible does not contradict itself. If somebody has a contradiction, apparent contradiction, I guarantee you the problem's not with God. The problem is with their interpretation of the text. Okay? So when you have that kind of premise, in which the Bible itself is the supreme authority, and you trust what the Bible says, the Bible's not going to contradict itself. Bible's not going to contradict itself, and Paul or Peter aren't going to contradict each other. Okay? There, there's harmony and unity with the Word of God. And that's the way God wants us to be, too. So Dale says on page 25 of his book, Sabbath in Crisis, and then on page 27 of his book, Sabbath in Christ, watch what he does. He says this, point. There is no command for mankind to rest in the Genesis account. No commandment. Okay? So his main premise right from the start is, his mindset says there's no commandment in Genesis to keep the Sabbath. That's what he's saying. So now here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask a very simple question. In this discussion on the Sabbath... I want to tell you, I do not ask trap questions and trick questions, okay? It's a very simple question. What I would ask him, because he's the one that says there's no commandment in Genesis to keep the Sabbath, okay? So I'm going to ask him a very simple question. Here it is. What is your point? What's Dale's point? This is what he says, no commandment. So I'm going to ask the question, what is Dale's point? And you're going to see why I asked that question. So here's the questions, okay? Are you saying that because there was no command in Genesis, in the Genesis account, that there was no rest on the seventh day for mankind? You want them to clarify what they mean. You see, they could muddy the water with questions they, or things they say to you. You want to get right to the point and make it clear. What is your point? Okay, so let's look at that again. Are you saying that because there was no command in the Genesis account that there was no rest on the seventh day for mankind? Now, you're going to want him to say yes. And he's going to say yes. You want him to say yes. 
You know, it's really interesting that you could lead people right into a corner by the very things they say. Lead them right into a corner. And we're going to do that based on this very question. So now watch this. 34 pages later, on page 59 of this book, where he says there's no command to keep the seventh day Sabbath for mankind in Genesis, in the Genesis account. Page 59, 34 pages later, and on page 74 of his book, Sabbath in Christ, 47 pages later, watch what he says. Here's what he says. On the other hand, what Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath would have been done naturally by Adam and Eve. Therefore, no command would have been needed. <laughs> Is that a problem, folks? Is that a serious problem? Yeah. See, his own words is going to come back and bite him, yes or no? Yes. See, truth will prevail. Error will never prevail. Stick with the Bible, stick with the truth. So, what do I do here? Would you say he's in a dilemma, yes or no? Oh, yeah. yes. His point is, there's no command in Genesis account to keep the Sabbath for Adam. Then he turns right around. Now, there's more to this statement. When we get into this, let's say we're going to really dive in to this right here. There's more in that statement than what you think. And we're going to really go into this to see that. We're going to take this apart. But what's really good is when you compare them side by side. See that? Side by side. There is no command for mankind to rest in the Genesis account. No command would have been needed. So let's put that on the screen in a paradigm, in a, in a diagram. Look at this. So there was no command. That's what he said, correct? And then he also said no command was needed. Now, let's move on and ask this question. Dale says no command would have been needed in the Genesis account because it would have been done naturally. Focus on naturally. By Adam and Eve. That's a key point in what he says. Very key point. Naturally, by Adam and Eve. Well, let's look at it. On page 21 and 25 of his first book, pages 23, 25, and 27 of his second book, here's what he says. He says this, Nothing is said about Adam or about man resting. In fact, Man is not even mentioned in connection with this seventh-day creation rest. While the Genesis account mentions nothing about people resting, there is no command for mankind to rest in the Genesis account. Now, we've already seen one dilemma, correct? We're going to see a few more right from these statements right here. So he says, nothing about man resting. Okay? So, I ask the question, what is Dale's point? I want to know the core issue of what he's saying. You question him back. See, we've always been in the hot seat as Adventists, yes or no? Yes. Why not turn the situation around and put them in the hot seat? Right? So, I want to be clear. What is your point? You say no command. You say... Uh, 
man, there's nothing about man resting in this connection to the seventh day. Is that your point? Is, does that mean there's no Sabbath, seventh day rest in Genesis? So, let's ask questions. Are you saying that because there was nothing mentioned in the Genesis account about man resting, that there was no rest on the seventh day for mankind? His answer is going to be what? Yes. You want him to say yes. Because watch what happens. So, listen to this. I, you know, it's amazing how people stumble over their own words. Watch this. He says this. Many have assumed, and probably correctly so, that Adam and Eve entered into God's rest on that first seventh day. What is he saying? He's saying there that Adam and Eve entered into God's rest when? On that first seventh day at creation. Yes or no? That's what he says. All right. When man sinned, listen to this carefully. When man sinned, he was excluded from God's rest. Now remember, he said there's no connection of man resting on the seventh day. He said that. And he said there's no command. And then he said there was no need of a command because Adam did it naturally. Well, when we get to the fourth commandment, we're going to see what Israel was commanded to do. Okay, so here he says, when man sinned, he was excluded from God's rest. Now, just thinking about this carefully, based on his own words, what does that imply right there? What is the implication of that? Evidently, before he sinned, he was included in God's rest. Correct? That's the implication. Doesn't it also make it confusing with the Israelites? Oh, sure. Sure. But we're going to get to that when we get to the fourth commandment. When man sinned, the rest he experienced in Eden came to an end. Now somebody asked a question yesterday after the class about somebody they know that's wrapped up in this. Yes. Right. That's right. Because your sister, right? And she's saying that, well, it's to continue. The right. The rest. Okay. But what's interesting is Dale says that when man sinned, that rest came to what? An end. Okay? Now, let's compare these side by side, and let's look and see what we could find. Nothing is said about man resting. In fact, man is not even mentioned in connection with this seventh-day creation rest. Many have assumed, and probably correctly so, that Adam and Eve entered into God's rest on that first seventh day. He just undone this by saying this. You, you see that? He completely canceled this out by saying that right there. Because somehow with no command and no connection, he's getting Adam and Eve in that seventh day rest, isn't he? In creation. He, it would have been best for him not to have ever said that. Do you understand what I'm saying? When man sinned, he was excluded from God's rest. What is his point? Neither of these two statements are saying the same thing, are they? Are they in contradiction to each other? 
Yes, they are. They are. Listen to what he says. Let's focus on this for a minute. When man sinned, he was excluded from God's rest. Would imply before man sinned, he was included in God's rest. Would we all agree to that? That's not confusion when we understand that. Listen to what. What is Dale's point? How was Adam and Eve excluded if they were never included because of no mention of man resting in the Genesis account? Now that would be a, a good question to ask him, wouldn't it? To ask that question right back. So, look at our paradigm. We have one, no command. No command was needed. He said that. Nothing about man resting. Adam and Eve rested on the seventh day based on his own statements. Correct? You see, if it's not the truth, I guarantee you people will stumble over their own words. That's why if you're in a Bible study, listen carefully. If you're giving a Bible study and somebody asks you a question you don't have the answer to, tell them, I'm, you know, I don't have the answer, but let me, let me search that out and check it out. It's far better to say something off the wall, I mean to, to study it, than to say something off the wall and have to come back and say, well, you know, I'm sorry, I really didn't have that right. Be honest about it. You see what I'm saying? People want honesty when you're doing those things, especially studying the Bible. Okay? So, what does he say? Now we're going to get into what this statement goes on to say that you really have to look at. On the other hand, what Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath would have been done naturally by Adam and Eve. Therefore, no command would have been needed. Now let's zero in on this naturally by Adam and Eve for just a second. Would you agree, this is what I'm saying, would you agree that Dale is saying what Adam and Eve naturally did, Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath? Is that what he said? Okay. Now, watch this. Let's go to the Bible. Amen? Let's go to the Bible and see what Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath that Adam and Eve did naturally. Remember the Sabbath day. That's what it says. Remember the Sabbath day to what? Keep it holy. By the way, did you know that the first time holy is ever mentioned in the entire Bible it's mentioned in reference to the seventh day. Sanctified. That's the term for holy. And you know, you wonder how, when God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified the seventh day, you know, it never dawns on people, how did God bless the seventh day? How did God sanctify the seventh day? Well, let me tell you this. You remember on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down? The day of Pentecost? Did the Holy Spirit exist before the day of Pentecost? But what happened on the day of Pentecost? There was a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? What happens on Sabbath, there's no blessing greater than God Himself. The presence of God Himself. There's no more holiness than God Himself. You got that? That's how God blessed the seventh day, His presence. And we're going to see that today. And watch this. Okay, so... Israel was commanded to remember the Sabbath day, right? All right. Did Adam and Eve naturally remember the Sabbath day that Israel was commanded to remember? Do you remember what Ratzliff said? He said, that's right, we need to focus on that word naturally. 
Remember, he said, he's the one that said, what Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath, Adam and Eve did it naturally. So well, let's go to the Sabbath and see what Israel was commanded to do. Isn't that the right thing to do? Okay. If not, then how could Adam have kept naturally what Israel was commanded to keep? See the importance of that question? Very important. Let's move on through the fourth commandment. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gate. Now, according to the commandment that Israel was commanded to keep, the seventh day is called what? Yes, the Sabbath, isn't it? By the way, I like this, because you know what? Have you ever thought about this before? I want to show you something. Watch this. What does that say? What's Abba? It's the Father's Day. So, how could Adam have naturally kept the seventh day that Israel was commanded to keep that was called the Sabbath if the Sabbath didn't exist in creation that Adam naturally kept? That was a mouthful, wasn't it? But isn't it true? You see? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, in other words, this is the reason. When you see wherefore, that simply is meaning this is the reason why. So you read it. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. This is the reason why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Remember, he blessed it with his presence. He blessed it with His holiness. There's no man on this earth big enough to be called His holiness. Israel was commanded to rest on the seventh day. Did Adam and Eve naturally rest on the seventh day? Yes, they did, naturally. Israel was commanded to keep the Sabbath on the seventh day. Did Adam and Eve naturally keep the Sabbath on the seventh day? Israel was commanded to keep the Sabbath on the seventh day. What? Holy. Did Adam and Eve naturally keep the Sabbath on the seventh day? Holy. That's where it's first mentioned. See, when the commandment says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, the commandment does not say, remember the Sabbath day to make it holy. Why is that? Because it was already made holy when? In creation. Was the seventh day that Adam naturally rested the same seventh day of the weekly cycle that Israel was commanded to rest? Absolutely. By the way, um, I mentioned one time in our, I think it was the first day I mentioned about, you know, the international dateline going around the world and the other way, right? Listen, friends, God created this world. He knew exactly what he was doing. He's the one that made it round. Not you, not me. God made it round. What does that mean? That means when the Sabbath comes to you, you keep it. No, contra no contradiction. God's the one who made it. He created it. No excuses. When it comes to you, 
Keep it. Doesn't matter what's happening on the West Coast or over down under Australia or North Pole. When it comes to you, what? Keep it. So, was the seventh day that Adam naturally rested the same seventh day of the weekly cycle that Israel was commanded to rest? Absolutely. Why not? Why? Well, listen, when you go to heaven, you're going to say, you know, Moses, you kept a different Sabbath than I did. Is Moses going to say, oh, yeah, we kept a different Sabbath than Adam? That would be confusion. Yes or no? That would be confusion. If not, then Adam could not have done naturally what Israel was commanded to do on the seventh day, as Dale says. Now, on the other hand, if Adam did naturally what Israel was commanded to do, as Dale Ratzlaff says, it would have been done on the same seventh day of the weekly cycle passed on from creation. By the way, when people get into lunar Sabbaths based on the new moon regulation, hey friends, when you go to the weekly cycle, it had nothing to do with the new moons. And the weekly cycle has been passed on from creation. If you want to talk to an evolutionist, that's what I hit on. I say, let me ask you a question. If it's millions and billions of years, why do we have a seven-day weekly cycle? Where did that come from? If you were to take your finger and go back in time, where do you put your finger to come to a seven-day weekly cycle? Where's it at? It's in the Bible they don't believe. Right? Seven-day weekly cycle. You know, people have tried to make ten days. I remember even in World War II, Hitler tried to make ten days. You know, um, when we talk about calendar change, I do a whole meeting on calendar changes and that kind of thing. We were in Chattanooga, Tennessee one time, and my wife, we were in this, a Walmart down there, and there was a calendar. She wanted to get a calendar, and she'd come across this calendar, and it, it shocked her. And it showed that Sunday was the seventh day. Well, I knew that for years. There's calendars around the world. That like, they've already done that. And, and she kind of looked at it like it kind of rattled her cage a little bit. Have you ever been that way before? And I just kind of smiled and said, honey, don't worry about it. I said, you know, that even puts them in more of a dilemma. She says, why is that? Well, you know, the reason they say we keep Sundays on are the resurrection. So now do we move the resurrection day to the first day, which would be Monday? Are they going to start keeping Monday? Because that would be the first day according to the calendar, yes? You see? It only causes more confusion. Confusion upon confusion. The seventh day rest of God was most likely characterized by His delight in His new creation. By the way, I believe that. There's, there's statements that are true. That's what causes confusion is when you blend air with truth. How, how beautiful was that, was that rest in the seventh day? Absolutely wonderful, wasn't it? We would agree with that. Beautiful. But watch what He does. The seventh day rest of God was most likely characterized by his delight in his new creation and in open fellowship with Adam and Eve in the sin-free, perfect environment of Eden. Wouldn't that they, that'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? It really would. Adam and Eve entered into God's rest on that first seventh day. Now watch what he says. From the Genesis account, we cannot determine how long it was before Adam and Eve sinned. That's a true statement, isn't it? We don't know how long a time period that was before Adam and Eve sinned. The Bible doesn't mention it. So here's a question we ask. Was God's rest on that first seventh day in the sin-free perfect environment of Eden moral or ritual? You see, because when we get into our study tomorrow, when we get into Colossians, we're going to be talking about this. See, we as Adventists would call that ceremonial. Is the seventh-day Sabbath ceremonial law? War is it moral law? The reason I use the word ritual 
You're going to see why tomorrow. So that means you have to come tomorrow to see why I'm going to say that. Okay? Now watch what he says. We're going to bring this back around again. What Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath would have been done naturally by Adam and Eve. How did Adam do naturally what Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath if the Sabbath didn't exist in creation, the seventh day blessed and sanctified by God himself? Very important question. What Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath would have been done naturally by Adam and Eve on the Sabbath. Why didn't he add that to the phrase? Correct? Do you understand what I just did there? Here's what he says. What Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath would have been done naturally by Adam and Eve on the Sabbath. Correct? To make that full statement, that's exactly to parallel between the two, that's what he would have had to say. He didn't say it. So I said it for him. Right? Questions? Number one, how could Adam and Eve have done naturally what Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath if the Sabbath didn't exist in creation for Adam and Eve to have done naturally what Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath? Now, I could repeat some of this stuff. Repetition's okay. One pastor friend of mine, he's the same way I am when we deal with apologetics and different doctrinal teachings. He's the same way. A guy came up to us and said, hey man, when you get that horse down, you kill it and you just keep killing it. It's a dead horse. It's a dead issue. And I come back, and so does my friend. We come back and we say, well, we want to make sure it stays dead. We want to make sure it stays dead. So if there's a little repetition, that's okay. Is that okay with you guys? Okay. Number two, Dale says that because Adam did it naturally, there would be no need for a commandment. So what is his point by bringing up that there is no commandment in the Genesis account? Number three, Dale has Adam and Eve entering into God's rest with no command. Yes. That Adam did it naturally on the Sabbath. What Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath and no word Sabbath mentioned. What is Dale's point? Number four, how does no Sabbath and no command for Adam fit? No need of a command and no word Sabbath. And nothing mentioned about man resting on the seventh day. And yet Adam entered into rest. You see the relevance of that, don't you, Tom? Number five, in order for Adam and Eve to do naturally what Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath, the Sabbath would have had to existed. Amen to that? Number six, it would make no sense to claim that Adam and Eve did naturally what Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath if the Sabbath didn't exist for Adam and Eve to do it naturally. So again, what is Dale's point? Nearly all the prohibitions, watch this. He says this. Nearly all the prohibitions given in connection with these Sabbaths would have been completely meaningless to Adam and Eve on that first seventh day before sin entered. Questions? All these prohibitions that Dale mentions in the context found on page 56, 57, and 58 of his book, Sabbath Crisis, would not have even been necessary had Israel naturally kept the seventh day as Adam and Eve did before sin. Correct? You see the, the meaning of that statement right there? That question? But, question, what is sin? Now, I don't want people's opinion. People got all kinds of opinions, yes or no. People's got all kinds of interpretations, opinions. I don't want people's opinions. Well, how does the Bible define sin? 
Amen. God, good Bible students here, man. Yes. What is sin? Now question, is sin a moral issue? Well, because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Now where does that take you? Just to Mount Sinai? Takes you all the way back to creation. Adam and Eve sinned where? In creation. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. That precedes Mount Sinai, friends. Matter of fact, when you read Romans chapter 5, it says that where sin abounded, grace did much more. And what defines sin? Matter of fact, did you know, some people say, well, you know, the, the Ten Commandments didn't exist till Mount Sinai. No, what God did at Mount Sinai was codified it in writing. You know where it was before that? Right here. That's where it was supposed to be. Right here. Right here. Yes. He did so because people have forgotten it. That's right. Not only that, another point is that they had been in Egyptian bondage for so long, they almost lost their native tongue. There was a few select that kept their tongue alive. You understand what I'm saying? It's, for example, when, when uh, say, uh, Koreans come to America and they live in, and, and Filipinos come to San Francisco, Chinatown, all that, after a few generations, they speak English. And unless their parents teach those little ones their native tongue, they're not going to speak Chinese or Japanese. You understand what I'm saying? That's what happened in Israel. They would have spoken Egyptian had it not been for a, a select group to preserve the Hebrew tongue. That's what would have happened. So God writes it. They'd been in bondage. So he writes it so they could see it. They could hear it. You see? And that's how God finds. By the way, Satan himself broke the law of God. John tells us in the Gospel of John. Did you know that? Here's what the Bible says. That Satan himself was a murderer from the beginning. Well, what commandments murder? Can you find any place in the Bible that refers to murder outside of the Ten Commandments? So what shall we say then? Paul says, is the law sin? God forbid, nay. In other words, Paul's saying don't even think it. Don't even let that cross your mind. I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Now what Paul says here, he mentions, guess what commandment? The tenth commandment. He mentions it in the singular, meaning it, the application is applying to the whole of the law of ten commandments. When man sinned, this is what Ratzliff says, when man sinned, he was excluded from God's rest. When man sinned, the rest he experienced in Eden came to an end. The seventh day rest is what? Moral. Because the seventh day was in a perfect creation before the fall. Yes or no? When you hear people say the seventh day Sabbath is a ceremonial or a ritual law that was nailed to the cross, guess what? You could take them to the seventh day in creation and ask them, listen, friends, if God's holiness is in the seventh day, that's moral. If God blessed the seventh day with his presence, that's moral. Don't let anybody tell you the seventh day Sabbath of creation is ceremonial. Don't let anybody tell you that the seventh day Sabbath of creation is a ritual only for the Jews. Because it's not so. 
The seventh day rest is moral. May it never again be said that the seventh day is ritual law or ceremonial law, nor does sin abolish the keeping of the Ten Commandments. Why would the blessed, holy, sanctified seventh day come to an end because Adam sinned? That doesn't make any sense, does it? He said it ended. He said that seventh day rest ended when Adam sinned. Does sin make void the law of God? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, the law reveals to us what sin is. Sin doesn't do away with the keeping of the commandments. The seven days moral. Ratzliff says that Adam and Eve did rest in this Genesis account. So please, Dale, make up your mind. Did they or didn't they rest in the Genesis account without a command and without the word Sabbath? If they could rest in the Genesis account with no need of a command, then they could have certainly kept the Sabbath without the word Sabbath. Now, remember we talked about that yesterday, in the Genesis account. So, as we sum this up, what Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath rest would have been done naturally by Adam and Eve. They would do what? What Israel was commanded to do on the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath, would have been done naturally by Adam and Eve. Remember the Sabbath. Conclusion. Yes. Mother, you're adding the word right. in, in here, this remember the Sabbath. Right. It's in brackets. And, I, and I'm, getting, I'm getting a little bit of the sense that uh, uh, Bale Ratzliff is not making God, he's not saying that God's rest is synonymous with the Sabbath. That, that's true. The point is, it should not be natural, he should not use the word naturally in parallel with Israel. That's the point. See, he's, we're using, we're basing our understanding on the words he uses. He uses the word naturally in, in paralleling with Israel. Okay? Um, how can I use an illustration to show that point? Um, Okay, let me give you an example. Here's the deal. When you buy a car, you got a manual with that car. All right, now watch this. You have, when, when you're uh, of age to get a license to drive, you go through a training, driving training school, right? They have the manual, they have a teacher teach you how to drive. So you get in the car, you sit down. You take your hand and they, they teach you, okay, you got to put your foot on the brake, you turn the key. They're teaching you how to drive that car, correct? Driver's training school. We got a police officer here too, so he could tell, he could vouch for me. Okay, so they teach you in driver's ed how to drive that car. Naturally, at 50 years old, you don't have to sit in the car and think about it. You don't have to have a manual instruct you. Naturally, you get in the car, you don't even think about it. You put your foot there, you turn it on, you put it in the gear, and you drive away. Yes or no? Yeah. That's what's happening here. He is the one using the word naturally comparing it to what Israel was commanded to do. That would be the instructor's book, what Israel was commanded. There's the instructor's book. God is saying, look, I want you to remember the Sabbath day. Adam didn't have God say, I want you to remember the Sabbath day. Why? Because it was naturally where? Right in his heart. He was created in God's image. Now, hey, you know when, when your kids are growing up and you got a little boy that does something naughty? You know what I tell people? I say, I see his mother in him. <laughs> image what would Adam do 
He's looking at His Father who created Him. He's going to do it. By the way, it's really reversed. When I look at my son, it was really me I saw. <laughs> right? And then later on in life, you say, he's really a good boy compared to me, you know. But that's the point. If he hadn't used the word naturally and compared the two, he should have left that alone. You understand what I'm saying? He should never have said that. Because that only undoes what he said. That's addition four. <laughs> right. So conclusion. Dale gives the reason why no command was needed, right? On page 59 of his book, Sabbath and Crisis, and page 74, Sabbath in Christ. Okay. Nothing about man resting. We're going to deal with that now, okay? Did we make it clear on the first part? Okay. Now, we're going to make it clear on the second part. Nothing about man resting. And Dale already said Adam was included in that rest by saying excluded when he sinned. That's the implication. You can't get around that, through it, under it, or over it. It is that clear. So, nothing about man resting. Dale says on this page, 25, 26, 27, Sabbath in Christ, that Adam and Eve did rest on the seventh day in creation. So, let's look at it. The Bible says in Mark 2.27, and by the way, they have an argument for this. They do have an argument for this, but it doesn't hold water just like some of the other things. It really doesn't. Because we will quote this text, don't we? The Seventh-day Adventist, we quote Mark 2.27. Right? I remember one time I was doing a Bible study with a guy, and uh, he wanted me to come over to his house when we were doing this study. And his mom... His mother kept badgering him about studying with these Adventists about this Sabbath thing, right? And so uh, we were sitting there, and he, he was, you know, sometimes people do that. They, they want to throw the pastor on somebody. Come on over and eat him up like a shark, you know? And, uh, and I'm not that way, believe it or not. I'm not that way. And so anyway, so I'm sitting there, and he says, Mother, come here, come here. And she comes in there, you know, and he says, um, he says, Mother, you know, you say the Sabbath is just for the Jews only. I mean, he really put his mother on the spot. I could see she was very uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? So I, I let her have a way out of it. After what was said, she actually went to the kitchen. That was her way out of it. But what happened was, he said, here, the, he just showed me this text in Mark because I asked him before I, he said anything to his mother, right? So he's looking in Mark and it says that the Sabbath was made for man. And so he said, Mother, Mother, read this text in the Bible. Read this text right here. And she read the text. And then um, she didn't say anything, and she walked into the kitchen. And, and he said, I've never seen Mother like that, because she's always, you know, always going at it with him. And she walked in the kitchen. And then I said, well, you know, it's interesting how people spell Jew, M-A-N. And when you look at the text, it doesn't say the Sabbath was made for the J-E-W. It says it was made for who? Man. Man. And that's exactly what it means. If you're really a Bible-believing Christian, why don't you just leave it like it says? Right? Don't put Jew in the text. It doesn't say J-E-W, does it? It says man. Now... I brought out the other day about anthropon, meaning, by the way, you know what's interesting about this word in Greek? This word in the Greek inflection is an accusative case. 
There's different case functions in the Greek language. It's an inflected language, just like Spanish and some of your languages that inflect for the difference between a masculine and a feminine and uh, different kinds of cases. Well, this is called an accusative case, and I like that. When you know what it means, it's really neat. What an accusative case is, it describes relationship. Isn't that amazing? The Sabbath is more than just a day, friends. It's a relationship with the creator of the day. You know why people don't understand us as Adventists in regard to the Sabbath? It's like some of you who've been converted to Christ and you ran with the crowd and your old buddies, right? And you get away from your old buddies. They don't understand your experience, right? You're, you're a new person. You, you love your old friends, but you don't want to hang out with them anymore, right? Because you don't want to go to those places anymore. You've had a conversion experience, and your friends look at you like, man, you're kind of weird. Are you this Jesus guy now or what? You know what I'm saying? The, the reality is they don't understand you have to have that experience to be born again. You have to have that experience as a Christian. Well, people don't understand the Sabbath if they haven't got that experience of keeping the Sabbath. If they haven't got that experience with the creator of the Sabbath. They've missed it. You see, it's about relationship. And that's what the accusative case in the Greek means here. It is accusative of relationship. Our Father. That's what it's all about. And then, of course, I brought out the Hebrew term, ha-adam. By the way, the Bible says, I believe the Bible. You know the Bible says that Adam was made from the dust of the? The dust of the what? Who said ground? That's what it says. The dust of the ground. And you know what that word for ground is in Hebrew? Adamah. Adam's name was taken from, from the very dust of the ground. His name. Adamah. Adam. And it means mankind. Now if you want Bible text for that, it's interesting. If you looked up these texts in Genesis 1.26, chapter 1, verse 26... Chapter 1, verse 27, chapter 2, verse 7, chapter 5, verse 2, you would see this word right here in the Hebrew text. Same thing. Same exact thing. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, in other words, again, this is the reason why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now watch this. The Sabbath... Now, this isn't Seventh-day Adventist, friends. You know, I like using other, other sources because when people get upset, I tell them, don't get upset with me. No, please. If you're a Presbyterian, do not get upset with me. Get upset with your own people. Right? Now, you know, that kind of takes the heat off you, doesn't it? Yeah. If you want to argue with somebody, take it up with your own people. Don't be upset with me. I'm just showing you what's said. So notice what the Presbyterian Board of Publications said. The Sabbath was ordained for man to commemorate creation as Jehovah God, our Creator. Now, we as Adventists couldn't have said that any better, could we? We couldn't have said that any better. In the original creation, in a perfect state, God provided for Adam and Eve a haven of what? Rest. Oh, that's amazing, friends. The Sabbath, watch this, is a reminder each week as a memorial of a loving creator. 
And that's the, that's the issue. That is really the issue. By the way, if, uh, any of you know uh, C.D. Brooks? Elder Brooks passed away not too long ago. The best sermon I ever heard on the Sabbath was called A Question of Loyalty by C.D. Brooks. I saw him in Orlando, Florida one time, and you, could, you know when you were trying to find a place to sit down? You couldn't even find standing room. A question of loyalty. If you ever get a chance to hear that sermon, unbelievable. He starts in heaven with Lucifer committing high treason. High treason. So the Sabbath is a reminder of a loving creator. They go on to say this. He that violates, watch this, he that violates the Sabbath denies the Creator. We didn't say that. Presbyterians said that. Isn't that amazing? Now, violation means what? Sin. And sin is the transgression of what? The law. And I tell you, you know what people say? Never say never. Because there's always an exception. Something comes up. Never say never. Well, I'm going to show you you could say never on this one. Every time in the time you open up your Bible and you read the Ten Commandments, every single time with no exception, you will always see the Fourth Commandment there. Exodus 20. It's there. With no exceptions. Every single time. By the way, did you know that the Ten Commandments have, pers uh, have um, uh, permanent prohibitions? The thou shalt nots? It's interesting. In Hebrew, there's two different words for not. Thou shalt not. One is a temporary prohibition. And it's very simple. A temporary prohibition means this. Uh, say my son, five years old, wants to drive an 18-wheeler down the interstate. Absolutely not. Thou shalt not. Why? Because he's not old enough. But when he becomes old enough, gets his CDL when he's of age, could he do that? Right. That's a temporary prohibition. The Ten Commandments are a permanent prohibition. Meaning this. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me, and never will there ever be a time it's okay to have other gods before me. That's a permanent prohibition. You know what permanent is? That's a long time, isn't it? And no cross... Jesus didn't nail the Ten Commandments to the cross. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. We're going to look at that carefully tomorrow. Notice what they go on to say. Thus, this is another. This is a Sabbath manual written by a non-Adventist historian, Justin Edwards. Listen to what he says. Thus, the keeping of the Sabbath commemorates the work of God as what? Creator. We can say it any better. Listen to this one. I like this one. Lang and Schaff's commentary on Genesis chapter 2. Note, on the creation, what? Sabbath. Now, if Ratzliff is looking for the word Sabbath, why doesn't he read the commentaries by these guys? Because they're certainly saying it without the word Sabbath down, right? They're saying it. Note on the creation Sabbath, God's great rest, the divine Sabbath begins. This is blessed and Hallelujah. I couldn't say it any better. Does this seventh day which God blessed and hallowed have eternal and universal ground as a memorial of creative 
the creative works. I like that statement. Why? That's why there's no formula for the seventh day evening and morning. It is eternal in nature. Let that stick in your mind. The seventh day is not like the previous six days. By the way, you would not have the weekly cycle without the seventh day. Did you know that? Let me explain it. In the Bible, you will look at the first day of the week, the second day of the week, the third day of the week. It's interesting that all the days of the week in the weekly cycle are governed from the seventh day Sabbath. How do I know that? Because in the languages, the first day is like this. The first day into the Sabbath is said three different ways. The first day into the Sabbath. Remember, the seventh day is the end of the, the week. First day into the Sabbath. First day after the Sabbath. First day from the Sabbath. Second day into the Sabbath. Second day from the Sabbath. Second day after the Sabbath. All the way through the week, you come to the days. Then when you come to the sixth day, it says pro-sabbaton. Day before the Sabbath. And then people say, time's been lost. Oh, I love to deal with that one. I do a whole meeting on just that. Time has been lost. Have you ever heard people say that? Amazing. So the days of the week are actually governed by the Sabbath. In languages all around the world. And what is it? It's eternal and universal. Universal, guess what that means, everybody? Universal. It's not for just the Jews. By the way, God blessed the seventh day. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. Do you want a part of that blessing? God made that day holy. Do you want to be a part of that holiness? Listen to this statement. The question must be determined by exegesis. Now, you remember the first day I told you what the exegesis means, right? What's in the text, you're reading from the text, not reading something into the text that doesn't belong. You're reading from the text. Now listen to what Lang and Schaff says in their comment. And they're well known. These guys aren't just some offshoot splinter type of people. These guys are well known commentators. Listen to what he says. The question must be determined by exegesis. And for this we have clear and decisive, if not extensive grounds. And God blessed the seventh day. Genesis 2-3. Blessing the day means blessing it for what? For some purpose. It is the expression of God's love. I like that, don't you? By the way, did you know grace is in the Ten Commandments? When people say Old Testament law, New Testament grace. Grace is in the Ten Commandments. Verse 6. Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. Grace is in the Ten Commandments. Kesed means grace. God showing mercy. That is grace. To them who love Him, qualifying that grace. To them who love Him and keep his commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. Right in the Ten Commandments. But the word love is there. Those who love me, the Lord says. So it is the expression of God's love to it as what? Holy time. You know, Sabbath rest is just like tithe. Tithe doesn't belong to you, does it? it belongs to God, right? Sabbath rest is just like tithe. It doesn't belong to you. Don't say the Sabbath is my Sabbath. I hear people say this all the time. People say, well, Sunday's my Sabbath and Saturday's your Sabbath. Have you ever heard people say that? Friends, the Sabbath is God's. It's His personal possession. 
And you know what? Because of his love, he shares that with us. Do you understand what I'm saying? The real issue is not that it matters to you and I. The real issue is does it matter to God? And if you love God, then it matters to you. No narrower idea of the blessings of the Sabbath can be held without taking from the word all meaning and hallowed it. Vaikodesh, ot. I like that because this part of the word ot is in the Sabbath. And it means a sign. People say, yeah, the Sabbath is a sign to Israel. Listen, friends, the Sabbath was a sign from creation. From creation. It precedes Mount Sinai. And hallowed it and made it holy. So who made it holy? God made it holy. If God makes it holy, don't you touch it. You know the story of Uzzah touching the ark? You know the ark of the covenants mentioned in the book of Revelation. Sixty some years after the resurrection of Jesus. God see, the, John sees in the temple. John, Revelation chapter 11, 19. The ark of his covenant. Don't touch the ark, friends. Leave it just like it is. People have taken the Sabbath out of the ark and replaced it with something else. Yes or no? Yes. Don't touch the ark. Strong's Concordance. You know, people, I've told you about using Strong's. You can use Strong's Concordance. And watch what they say right there in Lang and Schaff in reference to Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. This also is a very plain Hebrew word, especially in its Pial form, as anyone may see by examining it with a concordance, a concordance. Sanctified Hebrew, Kodesh. Now, this is Professor Bush of Hebrew, New York City University. New York City University, professor of Hebrew, and listen to what he says. It is by this term that positive appointment of the Sabbath as a day of rest to man is expressed. Now, you know, the other day when I was talking about noun and verb, remember that? Why did God use the verb instead of the noun? I'll tell you why. Because in the very first verse, what does it say in the very first verse? In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. That's a verb, created. Everything after that is based on nothing but verbs. So when God gets to the seventh day, he's using a verb in connection with everything that preceded it. The same way. That's exactly what he did. So, listen to what this guy goes on to say. Professor Bush, Hebrew. God sanctifying the day is equivalent to what? His commanding men to sanctify it. Now here, this professor of Hebrew says what Dale said by saying there was no need of a command. So what's his point? No need of a command. He's making it very clear that the word sanctify is to appoint that time for man to sanctify. Keep it holy. Oh, I love to deal with the one where people say, oh, you know, we should keep every day holy. Have you ever heard that one? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I wish we had time to just keep going. I really do. But we don't. Watch this one. He goes on to say, at the close of creation... The seventh day was set apart by who? Moses? By the Most High, without limitation to age or country. 
See, God is no racist, friends. If any of you are prejudiced, you, I guarantee you, you're not going to heaven. <laughs> There's no ifs and ands and buts. Amen There's a destination that makes us all brothers and sisters. Listen to this. By the way, you know when the Sabbath comes, guess what? We're all on the same ground at the feet of Jesus. The observance of its ob is obligatory upon who? The whole human race. And there's so many texts in the Bible for this. It's not just Mark 2.27. I'm going to show you some in a minute. So we ask the question, when was the seventh day made holy? Right there in creation. And that precedes Mount Sinai by a long time, doesn't it? Nothing Jewish about the seventh day. If you just wanted to take the Sabbath, the word Sabbath, and set it aside, I would keep the seventh day. And I'm not hung up on days. If God said keep Tuesday and I love God, what would I do? I'd keep Tuesday. If, if God said we should keep Monday, what would I do if I love God? So we're not hung up on days, right? We're hung up on the Creator. The word holy comes from the Hebrew word Kadesh. And the first time in the entire Bible that it's used is in creation of the seventh day that was made holy in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. And you know the amazing thing about this is there is no preacher big enough in this town to undo what God has done. Doesn't matter if you're from Grand Rapids, Big Rapids, Chicago, L.A., Miami. Doesn't matter where you're from, there's no preacher in that city big enough to make what is holy by God unholy. According to the Bible, the seventh day was not made holy at Mount Sinai, but at the creation of the world. Genesis chapter 2 Verse 3. For what purpose did God make it holy? For God Himself is holy. Yes? The holy. Now I like this. Listen to what Langenschaft says. The holy throughout the Old Testament is opposed to the common. Secular. That's what common is. Secular. In other words, God gives us six days permissible to work. You know, I had a guy one time tell me, you know, it's just as much a command in the fourth commandment to work six days as it is to rest the seventh day. He thought he had me. And I said, well, you know what? You need to read it carefully. Because those six days are permissible days. Matter of fact, you've heard of the ceremonial Sabbath, right? Well, if it's commanded to work six days, God would have been contradicting God. Because here you have a Sabbath, say on Tuesday, a ceremonial Sabbath by date, according to the new moon regulation, right? Day of Atonement, Day of Pentecost, Passover, right? So then how would you have six days of work between those two? Can't do it. It's days that are permissible to work. So, the holy throughout the Old Testament is opposed to the common. When God hallows a time, it is for who? By the way, you know we're created for His pleasure. When God hallows a time, it is for Himself. Not simply whatever man does, but whatever He does for Himself. Remember God, remember God is the Creator, not us. We are the creature. 
Don't ever get tangled up in this false teaching that you are a God. Because you're not. And people think that. But they're not. Not simply whatever man does, but whatever he does for himself. It is the portion of time which the creator of time keeps for himself. Just like tithe. Does God need money? Does God need money? Anything less than this, as a general principle, leaves the word to hallow or make holy an unmeaning utterance. The words he hallowed it can have no meaning otherwise. They would be a blank unless required to keep it holy. We couldn't say it any better. Listen to what Justin Edwards said again in his Sabbath manual. As a memorial, he set apart the Sabbath, what? Kept it, sanctified it, and blessed it for the benefit of all. See, if you're following God, you can't go wrong. Yes? If you're following God, you can't go wrong. By the way, I want to back up here. When he says the benefit of all, right here, benefit, you know what's interesting that God instituted two major things in creation. Marriage and Sabbath. All right. Now, when you fellows got married, I want to tell you something. The Lord in the Bible describes your helpmeet, your wife, as a benefit to you. Did you know that? That's exactly how the Bible describes it. When God made Eve, He made Eve not... Not inferior, fellas. I think women like that when I tell the guys that. Sometimes people misinterpret the scriptures when it comes to relationships. God did not create women inferior to men. He created women for man's benefit. The same is true of the Sabbath. When we read in Mark chapter 2, verse 27... That the Sabbath was made for man? Literally, I could show you Greek scholars that says that text is saying the Sabbath was made for man's benefit. Same thing. Instituted those two things in creation. It's a benefit. And we like benefits, don't we? Who wants to throw a benefit away? Listen to this. If we had no other passage than Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, which Dale says there's no command, there's no man resting in the seventh day, there's no evening and morning in the seventh day, all these things, all these points he said, listen to what this scholar says right here. If we had no other passage than Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, there would be no difficulty in deducing from it a precept for the universal observance of Sabbath. Seventh day to be devoted to God as holy time. We couldn't say it any better. Why do we keep the Sabbath from creation? Because of our Creator. As a memorial of creation. Don't we say that? The first Sabbath. And He rested on the seventh day. An example equivalent to a command. See, friends, so listen, when somebody tries to tell you there's no command to keep the Sabbath, you don't have to quote Adventist sources. You could quote these guys. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
You don't even have to quote what our church says. You could quote other sources. You see? Too many times we're in the hot seat. Let them chew on these guys a while. Right? An example equivalent to a command. Blessed and sanctified the seventh day. Blessed and sanctified the seventh day. A peculiar distinction. Now, the word peculiar doesn't mean bad. You know, sometimes people have a bad connotation because they're so peculiar it is in a bad way, right? <laughs> but this is a peculiar, good peculiar. God's own eternal. Did you get that? God's own eternal Sabbath. The expression, he hallowed it, must be for men, for all men on earth. By the way, it's very interesting to see what these guys have to say. Listen to this. It is, what? God's day. The Sabbath was made for man. A memorial. There it is. The Sabbath is the seventh day, and that day is holy, and the seventh day comes holy from creation. So, friends, if people want to just set the Sabbath aside, I'm going to keep the seventh day. That came from creation. Intact. The very first time that the word holy, holy is mentioned in the Bible is where? In the seventh day in creation. The word holy. That's sanctified. The seventh day in creation is not for the Jews only. It is holy for the whole human race. After having studied Dale's books carefully over the last 25 years, I would have to say that he has totally misconstrued several points. You know what that does? The very points he raises leaves doubt in your minds. That's exactly what the devil did. Very subtle. Doubt. Oh, there's no command to keep the seventh day. What does that do? That raises doubt. Oh, well, you know, um, uh, it doesn't say nothing about Adam keeping the seventh day. It's God who kept it. What does that raise? Doubt. If you really analyze every single one of his points, it's creating doubt. And then what causes confusion when you come back and totally do a different twist and bring it back around? Well, there's no need for a commandment. Why didn't he do that on the same page he said that there was no command? Instead of 40-some pages later. You see? His own statements undo exactly what he's trying to prove. Right. So what's our conclusion, friends? That's right. You got it. You got it, Rosie. Our conclusion. True interpretation. The term sanctified the seventh day in creation means to set apart for an appointed holy time. That's the true interpretation. Right there, friends. True interpretation. False interpretation. No commandment means Adam or mankind did not have to keep the seventh day in creation. That's what he's trying to make you think. That's doubt. Yes or no? Do you think that Satan, when he, he uh, approached Eve, do you think he uses subtle or does he just outright say? Very subtle. He created what? Doubt. 
Now listen, friends, I want to tell you in conclusion, before we pray, I want to say this. We are no match for Satan. If he deceived a third of the angels in heaven, who do we think we are? If you think about it. And I'm going to end with this thought. I was traveling through the country one time and I came across an old cemetery by a little church in the country. Have you ever seen those before? They're really precious, aren't they? The little cemeteries in the church in the country. And there was a church sign there. And on that church sign it said, when the devil comes knocking on your door, send Jesus. That's a good thought, isn't it? Send Jesus. Because the devil's going to cause you to doubt the word of God. That's exactly what these guys have done. They have used words to cause doubt. And um, as they say in not so good English, we ain't seen nothing yet. And I'm telling you, friends, we need to know. And I thank God for you people today right here. We need to know what these guys are saying. Because I tell you what, they're, going to, they're, they're taking a lot of people with them. They really are. They're taking a lot of people with them. The second part of our study, true interpretation. The Sabbath was made for man. Mark 2.27, Isaiah 56, verse 2, 4, and 6. And there's more text. I go into them when I do a thorough study on that to show people on that too. Simplified, false interpretation would be nothing about man resting on the seventh day in creation. The Sabbath did not exist in creation, but rather was for the nation of Israel only. And by the way, Ratzliff actually says this. I could go to exact quotes where he says that the Sabbath was for the nation of Israel only. Those exact words. Oh, well, matter of fact, what's interesting is when you look at Mount Sinai, when they fled from Mount Sinai, you will find a very interesting word called a great multitude. There was a multitude that went with them. That multitude was not of the nation Israel. That multitude that went with them was of a, of a different race. That's right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our study today. We thank you for the guidance of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for each person here, Lord. And we pray that you bless each one in a special way. May they sense your presence more fully in the study of the Sabbath. We thank you, Father, for the breath of life you've given us. We thank you for being our creator. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. In the lovely and precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.